Hello and welcome to another instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I am joined with Lucas and Cecilia to talk about empowering the team's potential, more focusing on motivating your team. To be a really interesting discussion, we're talking about different areas of how you can keep your teams motivated in intense times, as well as working with autonomous teams. Um, let's start off with a round of introductions. Lucas, do you want to go first? Sure thing. Uh, hello, I'm Lucas, as you already know. Uh, I'm a group competence lead at Klarna, which is a fancy way of saying that I'm engineering manager for the group. Um, responsible for logging and onboarding, which is a lot of fun because uh, we de- can deal with every user that uses Klarna, which is a lot of users and uh, it's a lot of fun though. Uh, me personally, I have a background in software engineering for about 15 years or something. I kind of stopped counting and uh, mostly started my Java backends days, but uh, nowadays I'm navigating this thin boundary between tech and uh, people. So I kind of translate between the two languages and I quite enjoyed doing that. Uh, yeah, and uh, as my hobbies, for example, when I don't spend uh, time with my almost seven year, years old son, uh, I like to fly small, small planes. Yeah. Uh, That's a really cool hobby. It is. It, it's a different perspective <laughs> on on Earth and life. All right. Uh, that will be me handing over to you, Cecilia. Thank you, Lucas. How can you beat that? That sounds really cool. Uh, so I'm Cecilia Bori, and I work as a VP engineering at ACAST. So I've been here since uh, January this year and I'm a contractor, so I will soon be uh, believing this wonderful company and I joined myself tremendously over this year. Uh, I have a background also in uh, computer science and I've been in the tech industry for more than 20 years now, working as a developer and engineering manager and also in, in product. And I started also out with Java and uh, we did a Java virtual machine as a startup and uh, i was working with the java development platform for 12 years and uh, ended up working at at oracle after several acquisitions Uh, but i've been working on many uh, different companies like king and spotify and epidemic sound and Cree and some of the scale-ups and smaller startups here in stockholm so um, in my passion i had actually written down exactly what you said uh, that I also working with translating as a translator in the organization between both kind of tech and people and business and people and different silos and trying to tear down, trying to remove the pain in organizations, trying to kind of get people to actually be able to do their job and to fulfill their passion uh, and everything. And that's also why I'm working as a contractor to make people see the outer perspective of this and how to get through. And I don't fly small planes, but it sounds wonderful. And I'm I'm a scout leader and I've been working as a scout leader uh, uh, for many years. So I like hiking and uh, I uh, so this evening I'm going to do um, a scout meeting for my 11 year old. So we're going out in very cold Stockholm uh, and doing so i got to choose what to do so i choose that today we're going to exercise to train how to make fires <laughs> because i don't want to be too cold so but uh, but i love that and seeing um, kind of how teaching young kids and um, young people to work together in uh, small groups 
they're both great introductions really really fascinating and good luck making the fires because i i believe it's it's quite deep in the minuses in in stockholm at the moment um yeah. so yeah wishing you the best of luck with that one hi everyone this is chris bennett here the knowledge managing director here at evolution we're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Perfect. Well, what we'll do now is we've you have both prepared a question or a subtopic before this podcast. We are going to spend around 10 to 15 minutes now going through both of these questions, um, giving some context behind them and sharing any for some follow ones and hopefully having some break, some can't speak some good moments to have some great conversation out of these areas um lucas i'm going to come back over to yourself to introduce your question thank you uh so my question or maybe subtopic is a better name is uh, how do you ensure your teams stays motivated during those intense times like product launches or major updates without leading to burnout and do you have any strategies to prevent people from leaving after delivery especially when there's been a heavy focus on deliverables and perhaps not enough time for maintenance and individual growth and development. Uh, looks better on paper. Uh, it's a mouthful to, to, to say, but uh, in a nutshell, my question is uh, maybe to give it a bit of a like explanation. There are always times when deliveries need to be fast in software. When it's very intense, we all kind of enjoy those. We deliver, we we like touch reserves in our energy. Mm. We go really down. Uh, and then there is this kind of void usually, but the project is done, uh, it's delivered. Then there's a bug fixing part, right? But after that, there is a bit of a void. And uh, from my experience, that's the moment where uh, people are not quite happy. They kind of enjoy the heavy times, but after mm. it's done, what happens next? And that's the the moment where I see some uh, people leaving, when I see some people disappointed in next steps because it's not that excited anymore, uh, some people are just burned out. And uh, I would like to ask you, maybe Cecilia, your opinion, or if you have any experience with these, how to approach it in a way, probably during the project or after the project or whatever it is, uh, so that people, so it's sustainable, basically. Mm. That's maybe the virtue of my question. Yeah. And I was happy reading the question before, and it touches many of the topics that I that, that I talk about and that I think are important and that I talk to directors and engineering managers about that you need you need to you need to handle this and to be proactive around this because it will happen. Yeah, so I think sustainability is the the word here and uh, when i talk to engineering managers i say that you know your your first priority is team health 
to make sure that the team is healthy and every all the individuals are healthy and that they're growing and having their individual growth. And then your second priority is delivery. And it's not maximum delivery, it's sustainable delivery. Because it's not, we're working in sprints often, kind of agile principles, talking about sprints, but it's a marathon. We need to find the sustainable pace for a marathon. And I've actually not worked uh, at companies where we've had these kind of releases where you feel that there's a void afterwards. I've been working a lot with uh, release uh, or teams that have uh, kind of they're, they're owning a bigger project and kind of we have it tiered and having an uh, first an MVP or trying out different MVPs and then releasing it and then planning for the next features and so on. Uh, but when I was working with the Java releases, I guess there was somewhat more of these big bang things where you really build up and you have you have a cutoff date and you know everyone and marketing and everything is and then building up. And I think that's fun. And as you say, the excitement and then it goes away and then you you have the stabilization phase or you have something else. Uh, so so I think making sure that they see the, the long term vision, maybe that's kind of what's popping up in my head and seeing kind of, OK, so this is the release when we get to see this kind of excitement or adoption from the users and then we can see all the input and get them excited about collecting the data of was it a success or not and what what was the learning and what was the next thing that we need to improve to get them more excited about the next thing so maybe aiming them at the step after that big bang even if we're going to celebrate and eat cake and pop the champagne and everything at that but getting them excited that that point is the point where we start collecting the real data to and to see kind of we have all these options maybe if they say that they they need more of that feature or more of that then and kind of painting the picture of all the opportunities after kind of the, that's kind of the the first thing but i have a couple of other uh, things to listen as well but what do you think lucas i made a couple of notes and i uh, thank you. First of all, thank you for your point of view. Uh, I really align on the sustainability because, like, exactly, it's it's uh, the sprint is really misleading word word in in mm -hmm. this context, and uh, marathon is way better. Um, I have a follow up question, basically, and that's uh, you said that the, the first priority should be the individual learning and teams and basically the team spirit, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, and I I'm completely aligned there. Sometimes it's a little bit hard to work with stakeholders, though, because mm -hmm. there are a couple of the dates, there are deadlines, business mm -hmm. releases and whatnot. And sometimes there is just not enough room left for these. And obviously we can like go back to the roots and be like, OK, we need to change the company culture for that. Mm -hmm. But that usually doesn't happen uh, in a day. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm not specifically talking about Klarna here because we do have a little bit more of a maneuvering room there. But this is like a general experience from all the software mm -hmm. companies I've been with. So how do you work stakeholders to understand that this is the marathon and not a sprint? Right. Yeah, so um, um, I think it's about managing expectation and being transparent and working with 
capacity because they will always demand more than we can give. And it doesn't matter if we give them 130% uh, and then burn out. Kind of we, we as engineering managers need to be the one that caps it, but then negotiate what if you have kind of 80% of the team and then we need to do other things as well. Uh, what what is the most important thing that you need from that and really understand their priorities because they will never get what they want and we need to figure out and they need to tell us that and if they can't it's like they also need to understand this marathon thing and we need to kind of say we will deliver and we will deliver the next thing as well to build this trust so that they don't always over over uh, like feel that they have to push us or whip us because otherwise they're only lazy or so on. We need to kind of have this healthy uh, work relationship. So making sure that we talk and really understand what they need and that we demand from them to have very clear priorities that we can deliver on. And I think doing that in small increments so that they see that, okay, this was good, this was good, and not waiting for that big bang and saying all the, before kind of 20 years ago, we worked with product requirement documents where we kind of take ticking boxes. But I think now we need to work in small iterations to deliver the stars all the way. And then to make it a great delivery, and we actually talked about a great delivers over ACAST and we defined it as a framework because people were disappointed on different releases. And from my point, I could see that we delivered so many things. Why were people disappointed? And it's all about setting expectations. So we come up with five dimensions to make sure that stakeholders realize that their view on a great delivery was only one perspective of a delivery. And that was, I don't think I, I will remember all of them, but you know, it's the business requirements, the scope, uh, it's the team health uh, that they're not kind of burned out at the end. It's the quality of the product uh, that it's not failing or things like that. It's the time um, expectation. When will it be ready and kind of how, how much can we do? And then something else that I actually forgot. So kind of talking about what are these and and when it's when is it done and you need to you can't increase the scope and and expect the quality to be the same with the kind of same time set and so on so i'm thinking that having a sound making sure that you understand all the perspectives of a delivery and start to deliver and being transparent and working with stakeholders and managing expectations thank you for that yeah um now I'm in a little bit of a hard position because I would like to comment on like what I see as as a answer to my own question, but you kind of summarized it all. So uh, I will maybe repeat a bit of what you said, but uh, no, I, I completely agree with the working with the stakeholders and the team health. How I try to approach it is, well, maybe the issue that I see often is that people kind of close themselves, individuals. Yeah. They're like focused on the delivery, working maybe longer hours or being more productive within the normal hours. And uh, they just like come to the office, do the best they could and go home. And they suddenly stop going to the coffee machine. They stop talking to each other, which doesn't like it, in the short term, it boosts up productivity, right? They can code mm -hmm. more for a couple of days, but then suddenly there's no communication in the team or the communication mm -hmm. lags behind. 
and slowly when this delivery or like project or whatever it is is taking more than a month maybe mm-hmm. i see the team identity to dissolve basically yeah. and we had we had a delivery that, that i kind of relate to right now and that's uh that was where people were scattered all over different units that made the delivery joint delivery but they were even unrooted kind of into the different parts of, uh, of uh, teams. And uh, I think it's super important to, to bring people back into the teams. And it can be off-sites. It can be like, let's grab a beer after work. It can be whatever. So people meet and they have a chance to vent kind of and, and like become people again. Like switch from the machines that deliver on high performance back to the people mode and, and kind of relax a bit so they can, they can slow down. Uh, so, so that that's like one that that I think is very important. I I don't think that's the whole solution to the issue. Uh, I think important. that yeah, it, it is important. Uh, I think it's maybe saving it after the fact rather than being proactive and and making sure that this doesn't even happen. And that's basically what you very well described. Uh, yeah. Make sure that you work with the stakeholders and you don't overload and overplan. And uh, that that's all very much true. Yeah, mm. I'd also written down retros uh, as an important tool in this, um, because it's so easy that the thing that you just described when people overwork themselves or kind of focus or get into the stress mode, and it's easy for the manager to kind of slip on that, especially in a hybrid um, environment. Yeah, so that's why it's so important with these check-ins, the stand-ups, retros, and quickly pick up on how, what is the stress level and how are people collaborating. And also, if you are swarming on a, a specific project, uh, kind of with people outside your team, kind of the engineering manager for that team is responsible for the team health of its individuals, so that someone has that flag uh, and the responsibility. So um, yeah, I think it's important. Uh, I just remembered the fifth uh, dimension of a kind of a great delivery that we had in our framework as well. And I think that's an important one uh, with tech depth, building uh, building up the tech depth because we can take, we can cut corners. We, of course, we can put on the hacker hat and kind of hack away to quickly get something out to just test a business idea. But we need to be aware of how much tech depth we add so that we in the during the stabilization phase or something also can talk to st- stakeholders that we need to work this off a bit because otherwise it will bite us in the tail afterwards and not only hold us back technically and it becomes hard to collaborate or so on but also in engineering satisfaction and employee satisfaction that kind of you, you're not proud of this anymore and uh, it it eats you and of course we shouldn't kind of um, pay down all the technical debt, but to some extent and some bites us harder than others. And to be aware that as one dimension of a delivery is important, I think, for especially for engineering managers to be the main driver for that. Very well put, where can I sign? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, Yeah, Um, I I see it the same way. I just have a follow-on question, um, or maybe not a question, maybe just a point for us to kind of explore further. So I think, you know, retro's really good put, and I know I don't work directly in tech, but I kind of understand this emotion that you're talking about, about the different different, different things involved within a full process. 
how did you guys utilize your one-to-ones, your reviews, your retros with your team to make sure that you're being accountable for, for this process, to make sure you're, um, can't think of the words, making sure that you're able to kind of moderate their emotions and control control the situation to avoid that burnout at the end. Does that make sense? It very much does. Cecilia, do you want to go first? Yeah, thank you. So uh, these are important important ceremonies uh, to do as checkpoints. The one-on-ones is a very important investment that you do as a manager to someone else. And you never know when the most important discussion will happen. But the investment of kind of steady and frequent interactions, talk about everything, talk about kind of how can I support you? What happened? Can you tell me a bit about what's going on to get a sense of what's it? It's like a, a production metric, you know, a graph. It's like you don't know all the details, but you know kind of when it suddenly drops, you can feel that. And that's the same thing with a one one. If you've had them biweekly or weekly and then suddenly something happens, you, you sense that you don't you can't put your finger on it. But if you're only checking in with employees uh, once a month or once a quarter, you can't assess, is this normal or not? And you need to be able to pick that up. Uh, and it is, um, it, is, it is important uh, to do that. And of course, the employee can reach out to you at any point. But to have those frequent things that are slotted into the calendars are really valuable, I think. Yeah, I fully agree again. Uh, I like to have my one-on-ones with people every week if I can make it or they can make it. Uh, and I, I, I usually open it up with a question, what can I do for you today? So, because like it's their time, right? I'm available for whatever the time frame is. I'm available to them to do whatever. And it is quite interesting to see how it differs with each individual. Because like some people, we talk tech, some people, we talk buying houses or we talk like fishing or going to sauna, but in the background, you, you can quite often see how people feel and whatever it is that they need in yeah. that one-on-one, uh, what do you need to handle? So it might sound silly, but even a discussion about buying houses can give you quite a deep insight into how people mm. actually feel and what's have, whatever is on their mind, right? So I, yeah, those are super important. Mm. No, perfect. Thank you. Well, before we move on to your question, Cecilia, is there anything, any other points, any other touch points for your question, Lucas, that either of you want to mention or bring up? I feel like we've had a great discussion. No, I, I, I consider my question answered uh, <laughs> to the extent possible. And uh, I'm really looking forward to talking about the, the next question. Amazing. Yes, lovely. Well, Cecilia, over to yourself. Introduce your question. What is it that you want to talk about today? Um, yeah, so I'm working as a CTO or VP engineering or director at companies. Uh, and I want to get to know the individuals and I want to learn kind of what's happening in, uh, in the business and uh, in the different teams. And I want to hear about things and I want to learn and I want to I also want to colleagues to have relationships with and discuss because I just bought my house so I, I want to discuss that with people in the same situation so I want to create relationships uh, but you know the line manager structure is very much like a pyramid and I also consider it kind of uh, as a box where you shouldn't go into other people's boxes so 
I I have my box and I expect my manager to not to kind of go in and do things. And even if I mean no harm, I I don't want to just enter a team meeting without being invited by the engineering manager and so on. Um, and I I and I know that my presence can adjust the power dynamics, the vertical power dynamics is like what is the VP engineering doing in our meeting? Are we being controlled? Did anything happen? Uh, and people get kind of, you, you can see that people tense up. Uh, and before you have gotten their relationship, I think it's easy. And I don't want to undermine anyone's authority. I don't want to impose fear um, and, uh, and so on. So my question is, can we talk about with autonomous teams, where I want them to very much move on their own, I don't want to impose a line manager structure. I want to impose us as a flock of birds, uh, where everyone and where my role as a VP engineering is su to support uh, directors and engineering managers. Um, but I do want a relationship with uh, my colleagues. So what do you do? How do we do that? How should what? Uh, what are your greatest principles? Yeah, this is a complex question, right? Uh, because you very well outlined the biggest issue. It's not about how to do that. It's like how to do that while not breaking things instead of fixing or improving things. Because exactly as you say, when you suddenly embed yourself into discussion kind of in an unwarranted way, you can steer the discussion to the way it was not supposed to be Steer to, or you can make it very hard for people and uh, in many, many different ways. So I completely understand that. Uh, how I would see it is uh, basically it, how to put it, to create a habit of embedding myself in, in good and easy moments, meaning like there is something to be praised. There is something to be cheered for and basically show up with these uh, at the, the, like regularly, basically to build a, a common understanding, some relationship, because that's the easier end of it, right? Because if, if I show myself into the meeting being like, hey, I just wanted to stop by and say big thanks because this project was amazing. We all noticed it. it it's super good. How are you doing people and whatnot? And then basically disappear and make myself visible frequently. Uh, that's like one way. And then when, when you need to embed yourself for something a little bit more serious, it's not the first time. And it makes it a little bit um, more relatable to people. Like you as a person are more relatable because you had good moments, you had good cheers, you had good discussions about buying houses because it was a good moment and it was not tensed. And then it's easier to, to join when there is a moment to maybe help fix something or like help with the presence on a sp specific issue and people already know you. So that would be my idea when, when I, when I, read your question this this was an idea on how to do that um honestly i I'm, i need to meet a new team that that belongs to my group structure and i i did i worked with them for two and a half years or something but never from the inside always from the outside i never joined any of their meetings I, they contributed to my deliveries but not on a personal level so what we are doing is that i arranged with the em uh, for the team that i'm actually joining their hackathon on open AI on how to improve stuff in their team. And I'm, I'm going to come to the Berlin office for that. I'm going to join them and uh, I will spend half a day hacking with them just to just to like understand who the people are. 
so I can I can understand better when I'm later listening to some descriptions, explanations, uh, dealing with all kinds of situations, I can relate to people. So this is the one of the easy ways how to slip in into the into the presence, I would say. Uh, let's see how it plays out. Maybe it won't work that well, but uh, I'm, I'm having high hopes and I'm really looking forward to do that. It sounds wonderful. It sounds so much fun. Yeah, I don't know if it, it kind of answered your question or yeah yes uh, but uh, I really picked up on can I make sure to do it frequently and um, um, where it makes sense to kind of just pop in and say and I think people actually appreciate that that kind of I, I just heard about your um, kind of your product release say that to get them and I think it's like the DevOps routine of saying that when if it hurts do it often yeah and kind of it would hurt if if I kind of just showed up and hadn't had a relationship but kind of doing it often is like she usually does this so it's nothing strange and then people get to know you yeah so I think that that was a really good thing and then also spending spending time kind of embedding, uh, kind of finding some task where you can do something side by side, like your uh, hacking thing, like let's solve a problem together. That That is a problem to the team of finding that. Yeah, and uh, I've, uh, I've done a couple of um, competence matrix, kind of facilitating a team competence matrix uh, exercise or a tech depth inventory exercise and offered the EM to, um, that I can come in and facilitate that for your team. And that could also kind of be a good start. And then I could get to know people and I can learn things that I can use as hooks in because then I, I can offer them tools or I can offer them and get to know them and finding the problems that need to be solved where I can come with a solution and that ties the relationships with them. So. Yeah, that sounds that sounds amazing. I just remembered, like, we do have two managers in every team in Quota. Basically, one is the accountable line and one is the uh, technical engineering line. So okay. we cooperate a lot. And uh, it's a quite an interesting setup. Uh, I love it. But sometimes when there is an engineering issue, the product person uh, joins us like, hey, I'm here to bring food. Like, I cannot help you solve the problem, but I can bring you food for that, mm -hmm. right? And that always, I, I find it super nice gesture. It's not like, yeah, I can help you. I'm going home. You fix it and let's talk later. Or like ping me on Slack if you need something. Mm -hmm. But he actually relates him, like he makes himself relatable. And he also relates to people who, who are focusing on a problem. And uh, mm -hmm. we all appreciate a nice gesture, right? So, yeah. so this is like when, when it's a little bit more uh, of a challenging situation rather than just uh, praising or embedding yourself into into fun stuff. You, even if there's nothing you can really do, you can still be present and then be help, helpful or at least make people feel better, right? I think that was a brilliant point because I also see other people or kind of just as myself and I actually embed and I kind of create relationship, uh, but I also hesitate because I know the, the power balance. Uh, but I know other people even more than kind of, no, I don't want to disturb at all. But it's just like when a family member has died or something, kind of be there and just reach out and say that you're sorry. Even if you're kind of losing words, say that you're losing words and people appreciate the gesture. And I think this is the same thing. 
And like, how could I relate? It's like, it's better that I kind of stay off. But like, just climate, I can't help you. But I brought you this and you're in my minds and thoughts and good luck. And people appreciate that, I think. So kind of tying the end, it comes back to what you said in the beginning to kind of translate between people and tech. And it's we're working with people. So it's about communication and relationship. I think just to touch on what you just said then, Cecilia, it like it really that just resonated with me. And I always think I've been a manager for 12 months and I am nowhere near an expert at it. And I'm definitely not to both your level, but I think what I've learned from my time in management is as long as you don't say something stupid, that is the exception here. Um, but it's always better to say something than nothing. Um, it's always mm. better to check in and just be like, you mm. seem quiet today. Are you okay? And just be there than just to be like, oh, I'm just going to leave them to it and they'll come to me because I think it is just being that person who's your, like, who they I think people prefer their manager to come to them and say, I'm here if you need anything, and then mm. go to their manager and say, do you have five minutes because I'm not feeling great mm. today? And I think, like you said, getting food, they're just kind of showing that you care. That means so much to somebody on your team. And I think you can sometimes forget about that when you go higher up into management. So it's nice that both of you have kind of re- retained that as a, a key point of being a, an effective leader. Mm. And that actually reminds me of something that I noted down for Lucas' first question about personal development when you are kind of always burdened by kind of the next delivery. Uh, And because I think you described, Gemma, the difference between just having an open door policy and actually versus saying that we're going to have a meeting every other week because we need to just check in. and the same thing with personal development. Uh, I think uh, during and kind of at the work of Klarna and all the Swedish tech startups, even if it's hard delivery and kind of, I haven't focused on my personal growth. It's like, it's impossible to not grow. It's impossible to not develop uh, within. But I think the most important thing in development is the reflection on what did I learn? What did I do? And I think that's where the manager can help to mirror that growth and to help reflect. And I think having a monthly check-in and talking to uh, talking to someone, what is your long-term um, aspiration? And like, I don't know, and people get white whenever I say this, kind of what do you want to be in the five years? But at least I can say, well, where don't you want to be? Do you want to be a manager? It's like, no. Uh, it's like, okay, so maybe still a developer, maybe a generalist or a specialist. I kind of, then I know somewhere. And then, okay, so you want to be a public speaker in kind of five years or so on. And then to kind of check in on kind of what did you do the past? And then helping them because I can see what they've done and I can help them fill in a couple of activities. It's like, Okay, but that was really great. And you said that you wanted to be more efficient as a communicator. And you actually did this Slack post that where you summarized and you did this opening and you shared on the product demo. That's excellent. And then kind of just note that down. And then after a year of noting down small golden nuggets like this, small activities, then you can help seeing. And then suddenly, even if you you're burdened under delivery pressure, uh, you can see your own development 
But you, I think you need your manager to mirror that development because it's so easy to not see it yourself and you just see your failures and what you didn't deliver and that you're burned out and why am I even here? And you, then you see some management consultant firm that has the stairs and you kind of jump up and do that. And it's such, so much more efficient, I think, to develop as you work, but you need the reflection and need the help with that. Yeah, again, I second that. Uh, I really loved your sentence. The most important thing in development is reflection. Uh, I wrote it down because this is like something I want to reflect on myself because that's a really, really great idea. And I completely agree that during heavy development or any other times, like people develop themselves, but maybe not in, in aspects they are wishing for. Uh, so maybe it's not super aligned with their goals or something like that. And then the reflection maybe helps see the good good points in that and, and maybe somehow find the hidden gems in it. Yeah. yeah really good. Amazing. Well, we have a few minutes left, um, actually. Um, it's got a very quick hour. Um, is there is there any kind of other, other things that you kind of picked up over the years or top trips that you know, but for motivating your team and helping somebody see their potential? Um, I guess to put it into a question, what advice would you give to a junior leader who is who's struggling to motivate their team right now? Three weeks before Christmas, everybody wants to sign off and have like nice breaks. What piece of advice would you give? Mine would be uh, be genuinely interested in the people you work with uh, and, and try to like ask them what makes them happy, what they are proud of, to to really see them. give them space that they can share what they love to do. I like that. And Cecilia. Yeah, no, I totally second that. Um, and um, I think help them see the bigger picture of what they're delivering. Uh, what is the over? How does the, your company and organization fit into society? What are you there for? And help them see how the work that they've been doing ladders up to that in that impact. Because no one at a company can move the the needle of the kind of the the overarching goal of the company. Um, so, but I think so many people, and especially engineers, just feel like a cog in a in a bigger machinery. But everyone, everyone is, and to help them see that kind of all of this, it ladders up, and this is the this is why we're here, and we actually made this, and we did all these things. Uh, but it's so easy to kind of be uh, kind of just focus on what the, the, your latest delivery. So as a manager, helping them to see the impact and not only to the overarching goal of the company, but kind of fitting in into society um, of why why we're here. Amazing. I think there are two really good pieces of advice that I think anyone, no matter where they are in leadership, could take on board. Um, because it's such a good big thing, really, having a motivated team. It kind of helps every other element of success that you kind of can can have, I guess, um, in the broad the broad sentence of it. Um, but no, thank you. Thank you both of you for sharing your thoughts and your ideas on this podcast. It's been really insightful for me and I'm sure for everyone listening. Um, if anybody has any questions following on from this podcast, please reach out to myself or to the guest directly. And I'm sure that they'll be more than happy to have a conversation and see, see what other tips and tricks we can discover. Um, but thank you for listening.